Um, one of the things I want to talk with you about is in John, but right around 17, when the mother of James and John came, mm -hmm. and says, hey, will you let my kids sit at your right hand and your left? Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, hey, that's not for me to decide. Mm -hmm. But he could tell they were all mumbling amongst themselves and kind of mad that their mom wasn't asking. No one was pulling for them. Mm -hmm. And it's so powerful when he says, listen, if you want to be something in my kingdom, you need to become a servant. Yeah. And then they're mumbling some more. And he says, <laughs> hey, you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you become a servant of all. I really think that 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 that's pretty powerful. Yeah. You being uh, a doctor and a surgeon and actually was promoted by natural abilities and doing that. What, what did God do with your heart that led you through that? And uh, as you learned, what was the process on the inside of you of learning that becoming a servant was way more mm. than just having people look up to you. Mm. Hmm. I think um, watching my wife, she's uh, an amazing servant. She was an is a nurse, RN, but she never liked back then when RN would boss four or five. LPNs or AIDS or something like that and tell them what to do and manage it and organize it. And she never liked the bossing part. But when she finally got to work in the ICU, it was just one-on-one -on -one with a patient. And she loved that. But it's, uh, it's that servant that um, puts others first. Um, I don't know. You know, going through med school and training, you, you're... And the first year of the training program, <laughs> you're the lowest form of life in the hospital. So your only choice is to <laughs> serve other people, whether you want to or not. And and people that had trouble with that were more frustrated than others. But um, really, you were just a go-fetch guy. Go get this. And then if there was some bad wound to take care of or something ugly like that that had to be done, that'd be... It'd be your job, and uh, but you learn when you realize that you don't know anything. That you learn from a lot of different people. Um, I learned an amazing amount of stuff from ICU nurses because they knew how to do all the stuff the doctor would tell them to do that I didn't know how to do, and I'd learn a lot that way. But it was, you know, it's just a when you're looking at a mountain, when you're starting to climb, you know, you've, you have automatic humility because you know <laughs> that it's a long way up there. And, uh, but God, God just, uh, always carried me through. I mean, I never, never felt daunted in the sense that, you know, I couldn't do it. I just, just getting your attitude adjusted that you were going to do it. And, and uh, I don't know, it's just, it was just all full of joy to me. I look back and I think that it was all such a blast. 
that uh, I never never felt any drudgery to it. It was always eating chocolate cake. <laughs> just didn't know you had to eat the whole thing in one day. Mm. But uh, it was good. You think that a lot of that came just from trusting the Lord every day and going to work with Him? Yeah. I think so. We, uh, one of the first things we did when we were very first married, first you know, week or first day or two, we decided to read the Bible together and pray together. And we'd do it both morning and evening. And sometimes I slept through most of that. Because you were tired. Yeah. But we still did it. And uh, I think that's an amazing, looking back, an amazing thing. Because I've talked to a lot of people who did never do that. But we were always very close to each other and to God in that way. And we're reading the same thing and praying, and that was good. Yeah. So, so, what are some of the things that you really felt because of your relationship with God that He really guided you or gave you wisdom that was definitely a God direction, not just a natural intellectual direction? Well, I'm not sure I'll be answering your question right, but <laughs> but he always led me by desires, and um, you know I was about twenty, and um, at a church camp, a Baptist church camp. We Janine and I met in the Baptist Student Union at the University of Tulsa, and. Um, so we went to this Baptist camp just because it sounded kind of fun. It was in August before school started. And it was in Glorieta, New Mexico, and it was hot, but it was up in the mountains. So it was, we had a lot of fun. And So anyway, I had struggled a long time because my dad had died when I was 10, and I tried to make other people into my dad, like a football coach or a choir director or a pastor or a youth leader or whatever. Anybody hold still long enough. And um, it was just frustration after frustration, rejection after rejection. And so I'm in this church service at this camp, and there's probably 5,000 kids in this auditorium, big auditorium. And I'm in the middle, kind of midway back and in the middle of a row. And uh, I don't know what the guy preached about. I don't know what the songs were about. But in the middle of it, God spoke to me so loud that I thought it was on the PA system. And he said... uh, I want you to stop striving. He said, I'm your daddy, and I love you. And I mean, 10 years of frustration and emotion came out, and I wasn't just moist eye crying. I was blubbering and gushing and loud, and everybody around me staring at me, you know, and looking at, what is, having a seizure or what? <laughs> and I had looked around in the meantime to see if everybody else didn't hear that, and nobody did, and then... All that emotion came out. But I've never doubted his love since then. And that was before med school. We were still in college. But it just, uh, it was, uh, it's just always by his uh, love and desire that he directed me. Mm -hmm. Hey, G-Man. Hi. Whoa, am I in your chair? What are you doing? Hmm? What are you doing? He's trying to think, what are you guys doing? Huh? Well, 
A little bit. Not bad. It's good to see you. Oh, look at that. Man. That is a tractor. Yeah. Right there on that. Sure, that's a big one. Get that coat off. Okay, right here. There. Let me help. Get that off here. Yeah, there you go. Me and Grandpa are just talking about the goodness of God. You want to sit right here? All right. Sounds good. <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. He's got a camera over there, doesn't he? Boy, he noticed. Yeah. <laughs> you going to wave at him? <laughs> so, yeah, I just, he, um, he's always directed me by desires. I had this just huge desire to go to med school. I mean, just more than eating or drinking or anything else. You know, I just, that's where I wanted to be and where I wanted to go. And he opened the door and <laughs> went right through it. So, and then even all down through the lane. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he yeah. remembers you Sunday doing that under the table. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm going to get even with you. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, in in junior high, high school, somewhere in our church, you know, they you could you'd get saved on the altar call, or you could uh, get, rededicate your life, or you could do go down for special service. Well, since I had been saved about 80 times and, rededicated about another 120 I thought I better try something new you know and I said well I'm special service you know or whatever and so you know like if you somebody thought they were called to preach that's what they'd come down to do and and I wouldn't didn't feel that at all but I really felt dedicated to God and I was just you know just wanting to give it to him again because you know back in those days they'd tug at your heart and I'd just get up and go they say right. you know, what are you down here for again you said, do I want God? You know, right, yeah. I'm just here. The yeah. answer is yes. Wanting more God. Yeah. And uh, so, but I thought about that a lot, you know, the last few years because people have asked me, kind of alluded to, says, well, did you miss God? And you went in, did surgery for all those years and you should have been preaching all this time. And it's like, nope, didn't miss God a bit. He called me to do that. And I had a blast all the time I was doing it. There's a line in the movie Chariots of Fire. It's about that missionary. Have you seen that? Eric Liddell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so his sister's trying to get him to go to the mission field um, early. And he's, he's getting ready to run in the Olympics. I mean, he's just got this amazing mm -hmm. gift. He also loves God. He's going to go to the mission field. He does. Goes and dies there in China, I think. But she says to him, we need to go now. We need to get over there. And he said, well, let me try to help you understand how it is with me or why I want to do this. He says, when I run, I feel God's pleasure on me. And it was that way in the operating room. I could feel God's pleasure on me in the middle of operations. And so would he tell me what to do and how to do it? Well, not with words, but yeah, I mean, he's filling me and, 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 you know, my mind and my heart are full of, of what he's saying and thinking mm -hmm. and you know and it, yeah he guided me but did he say cut here do this no it was it was more just enlightening me showing me allowing me and there were a lot of times when i'd have a partner helping me big case and tough case and i'd i'd start to cut in a certain place and they'd say well why are you cutting there and i because you know partners we kind of give each other a little gas and i'd say well that's where the 
it's going to separate and it would kind of come apart and they'd go, wow, I didn't see that. And so it, um, that happened several times. God gave me, the ability, gave me the ability to see. And, you know, I've, I've known builders and carpenters, mechanics who have that same thing. Just they see different things. I mm -hmm. uh, had a friend who could see something and build it. And I'm, how, how do you know how to do that? Well, it's right there. You know, to me, it wasn't right there. Right, right. <laughs> and so I think God gives us those gifts and, uh, and enables us to do. And uh, then when this, other, when this thing came up, it was that same desire sort of thing. In fact, I was ready to jump and run quicker than he was ready for me, too. And I, I waited on him. And I said, just well, whenever. And when my other pastor, former pastor that, you know, started, we started together and he was a pastor for several years. When he passed away, I thought, well, I can just keep doing what I've been doing because he'd been in the nursing home and I'd been kind of doing everything. But I said, God, if you want me to give up surgery and do this full time, I will. But I need to know. I need to know. I said, I want a verse. And then I felt a little sheepish asking him, for a verse. Mm -hmm. I'd heard people on TV do that. Right. And so, so I'm reading, getting ready for one of the small talks in the arena and I'm looking through Mark, not thinking about that prayer, just trying to get whatever together I'm going to say in the arena in a couple of minutes. And I'm going through Mark and the Holy Spirit says, no, go back to the left a little bit. And I was in chapter one already and it was like, that's John the Baptist. I don't want to talk about John the Baptist tonight. And he said, not that far. And I'm, and I'm having this arguing conversation with the Lord, and he finally gets me to where Jesus goes down to the Sea of Galilee, and Peter and Andrew are cleaning their nets, and he says, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And it says, they left their nets and followed him. I said, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's never been an issue. People say, don't you miss surgery? I go, nope. I loved it, but I don't miss it. And I just, uh, I love this. Time. Yeah, I love this. And so, yeah, he's guided me every step of the way. And it's just, I think we think that you have to be one thing or another. Exactly. And you don't. And the other thing is you're never too old. Mm -hmm. You may look old. Well, one of the, another misconceptions on the other side of the coin is if you're going to serve the Lord, you have to be a minister. Mm -hmm. And that's a lie. Mm -hmm. Because you can serve the Lord as a husband or a wife or a father, or mm -hmm. you could be a grocery teller, mm -hmm. you could be a school bus driver. Yeah, but it, it's every bit of powerful. Yeah, as being a pastor or a youth pastor. Yeah, I think one of the tricks of the enemy is if he knows he's he's not gonna, he's not strong enough to stop you, and he's not going to be able to deceive deceive you because he won't get you to quit praying to God. He won't get you to quit following God. Mm -hmm. Well, let's put you in a cage. Mm -hmm. You know, let's just make sure that you'll attend church and only minister at church. When really, I believe, just like when we go to church, I mean, there's construction in there. There's mm -hmm. mechanics there. Mm -hmm. There's, and these aren't these aren't just that. They're they got employees, a dozen of them or half a dozen, and they're ministering to them. Yeah, more so than a pastor is any, anywhere. Mm -hmm. Because that's their job. And I think that's what's so awesome about your testimony is uh, 
you were serving the Lord the whole time you were doing what he put in your heart. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I think, I think revival is alive in the body of Christ, not through a denomination, not through a thought train. Right. Through people who actually just want to live and walk with, and you know, whatever's put in front of them. Mm -hmm. If you're a mechanic, you're going to go fix people's cars. But what, you can pray over those cars, or or God can show you, hey, this family's in turmoil, and I need mm -hmm. you to pray for you know. Yeah, it, it could go a million different directions. So that's why I think it's so powerful that of how you served the Lord the whole time. You went on missions trips, even though you were a doctor, you did lots and lots of things, and. Uh, I think that's how you're the salt of the earth and the light that can't be hidden. Mm. He doesn't just want us to go to a good spirit-filled church and enjoy every minute of it. He wants us to enjoy every minute of life, seven yeah. days a week. Yeah. So what would you add to that? No, I agree. I think he just puts you in places and you... And if you're doing what he's called you to do and gifted you to do, then everything is, is fun. Everything is play. Everything is a blast. And... People ask me, why would you go to school that long? And I, I look at them like, oh, it was fun. I said, I spent 10 or 11 years or whatever it was doing that. What did you do those 10 years? I mean, everybody's got the same amount of time. Mm -hmm. I just got to do something really fun for a while and, uh, you know, for a long time. And so I think it's uh, if you let God lead you, then everything, everything is fun. And not drudgery and not fear and not I knew a lot of people that were in medicine for wrong reasons and uh, money or prestige or something and they were very unhappy uh, nurses too same thing I think if you're if you're called and you're gifted for a certain thing whether it's your diesel mechanic or a farmer or rancher or a rodeo person then you know do that and you'll have fun mm -hmm. but if you're uh, if you're fighting against it and doing it for ulterior motives like fame or, or money or, or prestige or power, you'll be in trouble. My dad had a government job and he went back to school in his 30s, mm -hmm. in the mid-30s, to become a CPA and then he got a job for the state, worked for the Department of Revenue. But he did it for one reason, one reason only. I was the oldest, then Carly, and then Matt and Blake. But Carly was got chicken pox when she was about four or five, mm -hmm. and it affected her bone marrow, oh. and then she got really sick. Mm -hmm. So my dad was motivated to get a good job with good insurance mm -hmm. because anybody by their own pocketbook could not afford the doctor bill that my mom, who was kind of sickly, and then my sister was sick. Mm -hmm. And so I watched that. And Dad reported to his job, and it was a government job, and it was pretty cush-cush, but he was good at what he did. He didn't love it. Mm -hmm. He did it for his family. Yeah. Because that was the biggest security step for his wife and his kids. Yeah. And he didn't make a lot of money, but I promise you millions and millions of dollars through the insurance. And I'll never forget what my dad said when I was 18. I said, Dad, what do I do? He goes, you can do whatever you want, son. But I advise you this. If you enjoy and love what you do, you'll never go to work a day in your life. Mm -hmm. And if you can survive work if you can survive and love what you do it's not the kind of work that most people have to push themselves to do yeah and you're ahead of 90 percent of the world if you love waking up in the morning and going to make and you make a living yeah 
And I think, what does he mean by that? Mm-hmm. If you love going to work and you can survive. <laughs> now you're happy? Yep, eating strawberries. <laughs> and, and, but I, I want my kids to know that. And then the, your testimony of loving it, like eating mm-hmm. chocolate cake. Yeah. I, I think anybody who wakes up morning would like to have life like that. Yeah. I think that moms that raise their kids at their house, I think that's a God-given season mm-hmm. that has eternal rewards in it. Right. And <laughs> when you can do what you feel your steps are, well, would you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you agree, little strawberry eater you? <laughs> Bet the dog. So, one of the things, I think anybody that walks with the Lord and really surrenders their life to the Lord, there's an individual trail because God wants that personal relationship with that human's heart and his heart mm-hmm. through the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And um, I think every person has the opportunity to enjoy life yeah, and be thankful for wh- however, whichever way they can make a living. And uh, but one of the things that I see that steals it. Thank you. But one of the things I think that can steal from yeah. them is offense. Yeah. Did you ever have opportunity yeah. while you were going down your trail and going down, uh, you know, your life? I know every season wasn't peaches and cream, but. What were some of the ways do you think that's helpful that helped you overcome offense? I mean, did offense ever try to get you while you loved what you did? Oh, yeah. Every day. Every day. <laughs> that's, uh, surgeons are not known for humility. And uh, dealing with all the people I dealt with on a daily basis, there's, there's lots of opportunity for uh, offense, uh, criticism, backbiting, whatever. And uh, you just have to kind of let it go. Um, and sometimes you don't let it go. Sometimes you pick it up and you struggle, and then God reminds you, hey, I think I've got that for you. Oh, yeah, you're there, aren't you? You get your eyes off for a second, and yeah, there's always a fence to pick up. And that's not just in that field, any field. There's always a fence if you want to pick it up. And you just have to trust God and rest in Him. But, you know, Different seasons are stronger than others, and it seems like sometimes you'd go through a period where there wasn't any trouble. There wasn't anything that you succumbed to. I mean, there's always opportunities. And then all of a sudden, it'd be like uh, you had opportunity after opportunity to stumble. And uh, I don't know, God just takes you through cycles or over hills and downhills, and there's there's ups and downs, but it's he never leaves you, he never forsakes you. It's just he's trying to get some other little thing out of your heart, and and make you more like him every day. And so some days are harder than others because that thing you want to hold on to more than other things. So yeah, I think uh, yeah you have to learn how to not take offense. It's not not a natural thing, and I think. The Holy Spirit is right there with you, and 
and telling you the right answer. And sometimes you go for it and sometimes you go the other way. Whew, what are you doing? And so, yeah, there's, uh, you just have to walk in love. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and remember how much he loves you. I mean, that the fact that, that I knew early on how much he loved me makes that a lot easier. Because if you don't know that, it's easier to take offense. If you don't know his love, I mean, like saturated through you, it's, uh, I don't know how people get along at all without that. I think that's what a lot of people struggle with. They don't quite believe that God loves them. And uh, I think that's the, the biggest message that I try to get across all the time to people is that God really does love you. And it's just hard for them to, to get. Is that what you're asking? <laughs> Got a little distracted there. Uh, well, I mean, just like me shooting horses for 28 years, I mean, one time I was shooting a really fancy barn, and uh, I mean, the stalls were made out of cedar. Mm. I mean, really nice. Electric waters. You know, 25 years ago, though, that was pretty fancy. Yeah. The, the alley between the stalls was asphalt. It was really nice. <laughs> And I was shooting a horse, and, and I got done, and I didn't know whether they wanted me to turn them. So they had a little round pin down at the end, at the end of all the stalls. And I went in there, and I tied it up at a safe spot, shut the gate, and went and started on the next horse. And the lady that owned the place came in and goes, uh, started yelling and screaming, who, who tied this horse up in here? And I said, I, I did. I said, I'd put it wherever you'd like. Where would you like it? And she goes, you tied this horse in this place. No one ties it there. And I said, well, it's no problem. We can move it. And she goes, no, I'll move it. And you need to load your stuff up and get out of here. Because if you don't have more class than that, you're not welcome in my barn. And I just went, that's no problem. I loaded my stuff up. I said, you just pay me for what, what I've done. I charged her for the two or three horses that I'd done so far that day. Mm -hmm. And I was getting in my truck, and I was mad because <laughs> I moved some clients around <coughs> to take care of her because she, mm -hmm. she said she was in need. But I was realizing that life revolved around her. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I was, I was really, really angry, offended, whatever, whatever way you want to do it. And as I was driving out, I'll never forget the Lord said, now you need to choose your choices wisely. Well, I, I, I was like doing backflips for her to give her good service, and that's all it took. Mm -hmm. It was, I'll never do that again. I'll never, ever move my faithful clients around because they willingly moved it because I've been shooing them for years, and she just threw me to the curb like that. No, wait a minute. Lord, what choice would you like me to make? And I was just driving down the road thinking. I said, Lord, do I need to pray for her? Lord, I just lift her up. I don't know what's going on. 
And then he told me specifically, her mom's dying of cancer. You don't know how broken she is, how hopeless she is. And I sent you there on purpose to show her love. Now, her choice was to have nothing to do with you. But it had nothing to do with you. It had to do with the turmoil on the inside of her. Mm -hmm. You have to choose whether you receive the same turmoil mm -hmm. or whether you continue to walk in me. Mm -hmm. Immediately, I wanted to repent. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was defending myself, Lord. If I'm really yours, I don't need to defend myself. Yeah. You'll do it. Yeah. And I, I can imagine as a surgeon... You know, not everybody agreed with you. Not everybody liked you. Not everybody cared what you said. Some people mm -hmm. wanted you to do mm -hmm. things different. I mean, it was just never ending. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's it'd be easy to get angry. And, well, there were times when I did. And uh, then you have to go repent. And sometimes you had to go apologize. And Yeah, it was... Uh, there was all that. But it just... It was just kind of background noise to me. You know, I mean, you, you'd get angry or you'd do something, but, I mean, you just, <laughs> just, just like that little one, you know, I mean, you just, you just say, oh, sorry, or, oh, you know, you make a mistake, you fall down, you just get up and go on. There's just so much to see and do and learn and, yeah, but it's, uh, it's easy to fall into the trap, take the bait, however you want to say it. Take the bait, I like that. And uh, I definitely, uh, I think anybody who actually shares life with other people has opportunity. Yeah. And the choice that we make individually mm -hmm. definitely dictates the outcome. What would you say to add to, to that? I think that's right. And then I think that God is so gracious and so kind and loves us so much that even when we screw up, He still fixes everything. And if we're willing to repent and turn to Him, I mean, there are some situations like, maybe like that lady, or I've, I've had similar circumstances where it doesn't get fixed relationship-wise, um, but it still, He still takes you through and carries you through. And I think um, it's a lot better for both ends of the spectrum if you listen to Him well said and obey because he's got the right answer it's just we get all caught up in that and we stop listening and uh, he doesn't go anywhere he doesn't run away from us he doesn't he doesn't throw us away he just waits on us to start listening again and then he'll he'll redeem so many situations that uh, um, that you think are beyond redeeming but Nothing's impossible to him. Man, amen. I really think that is so true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very powerful. That's why I hope whoever's listening, they, they would really realize that uh, there's nothing that's not redeemable. Yeah. I'm talking about family members. I'm talking yeah. about marriages. I'm talking about yeah. uh, even people who decide they're not going to stay married but they're going to continue a life they're still because they have kids together they're still going to be involved in each other's lives yeah. and they can walk past their fence yeah because God's gracious amen. amen you know we don't try to screw up but yet every day we miss an opportunity or 
or cause offense. We didn't even talk about that side of it. Sometimes we cause the offense, and you don't mean to, but yet, um, you know, nevertheless, uh, there you are, and you've, you've got there by not listening, and it hurts someone else, and so, but God fixes it all, if you'll let him, yeah. if you'll get out of the way. It's, um, it's Would why that go back under servanthood and yeah. servanthood. Yeah. Like, could you, could you elaborate on that a little bit more on getting out of the way and not being the one causing that offense? Yeah. I think if you, uh, if you're listening to him and obeying him and trying to serve others, then, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna use all of that and for his good. But I think we get in the way cause we want to fix it. We want to fix somebody and God just saying wait a minute just I just told you to go there not to talk <laughs> or <coughs> not to do something and so I think we take matters into our own hands sometimes <coughs> and so in the servant analogy we do more than we're supposed to do and a good servant is one who listens and obeys and doesn't talk back you know in the operating room when things are critical and happening fast, I don't need a lot of talk. I need a lot of listening and to go do what I need them to do immediately and not to have their own idea of what would be better. Because in the, you know, it's like driving a car, somebody's driving and not everybody can drive all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so you have to have that, um, relationship and you know being on both sides of that when you're the servant you just there's a lot of yeah I'll do it yes sir you, you know go get it done and not not try to have your agenda or your thought even maybe it's not an agenda it's just oh this could be a better idea you might even be right but it's not helpful at the moment mm. does that make sense oh yeah and so to be a servant you need to listen and obey and and not argue <laughs> And I wouldn't always that good at that. <laughs> I'd argue a little bit. So you think you learned from yeah. also messing up? Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's how you learn. And I think I think it's how he gives us room to fail. Because that's how we learn. And he picks us up. You know, if if when the little kid's learning how to walk, he takes a few steps and falls down. And it's good that he's close to the ground. He doesn't get hurt much. But you don't spank the kid when he falls down. You get him up, love on him, dust him off, pat him on the bottom, tell him to try again. And he does. Pretty soon he learns to walk. And that's the way God does us. He doesn't, he doesn't get mad at us when we screw up and fall. He just says, come on, let's try again. Let me hug you a minute, and then let's go. Mm -hmm. And I think no matter what we do in whatever thing you're thinking about, messing up, sin, whatever it is, if we just turn back to him, he's just, he's there ready. His love never ends. His love never changes. And uh, what we do <clears throat> doesn't change his love. It's just that if we're obeying and listening and walking in that love, then we're walking in the joy and in the peace. And, uh, you know, once you've once you've discovered that joy and that peace, nothing else will do. That's the truth. Yeah. So.
it's just, uh, and I think over time, more and more, you just learn to rest in him. And just, you just want to be where he is and listening to him because that's where, that's where it is. Yeah. And uh, everywhere else is, is the absence of peace. And I think, I've said he, he's always guided me by desire, but he's also guided me by peace. And if, um, if I'm walking a certain direction and getting more anxious each step I take, I realize, oh, I'm going the wrong way. Turn around and go back the other way and there's immediate peace. Then he's, he's guided you, he's directed you. And uh, Holy Spirit will do that in any situation. It's just, it's just trying to listen. Yeah. And I've heard it said in a marriage that uh, if the wife will allow the husband to fail, things are better. Husband needs to try on adventures. He needs to try and do stuff. And if she'll give him room to fail and be there when he does, then their relationship will strengthen and deepen. Yeah, then he would trust her more than ever. Yeah, yeah. And I think God does us that way. He says, it's okay. You can, you want to do that? I've told you not to. I've told you to do this. Go ahead. He's so gracious and kind. And even when you do something like that, and you know that you're going the wrong way, but it's, he lets you. And then he says, you fall on your face. He says, okay, you're done. <laughs> yeah, well, come on. We got, we have things to do here. Let's go. Mm. It's like he never, the only condemnation is from the devil because God never treats us that way. It's always love. It's even when he's correcting you, it's love. And it's, uh, it's, it's, to me, it's never been a stick. It's always been love. And, uh, but that overwhelming love makes you wish he'd just spank you instead of <laughs> right. making you feel so bad. But he never gives up, he never gives up on us. And, uh, hmm. and, and people have such a bad concept of God. They think he's mad at them, that he's trying to get them, that he wants to take stuff away. And <laughs> he's trying to give you stuff. I, I, I believe it. Hmm. He's done been a, He's done nothing but give me more life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's done nothing but add to, but the more greatness of his life that he's given me, I find by surrendering my own life. Mm -hmm. I can't have my life and his life mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, with that unending love, I want to I want to surrender faster because mm -hmm. his has always been better. Yeah. Yeah. It's like. It's like Hebrews 12, 2, I guess, where it says, get rid of the stuff that hinders. It's not sin. He gets to sin in a minute, but the stuff that hinders is that, is that other life, is your life. Get rid of your life. Get rid of the, of the stuff. And not, I don't mean things. I mean the, the, the personality, the, yeah. the whole of you. It's just hindering you. And, Get, then the sin that easily entangles. Get rid of that and whew, there's cooler sailing. 
in your walk with God? Did it always make sense to your mind? No. Because you have a very, very strong mind. That's what made you a surgeon. Uh, reading a book and remembering what was in it was like eating ice cream. And did you ever find that your mind tried to run the show more than, than God trying to show you? Oh, yeah, always. I mean, to this moment. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a fight. And it's, um, but uh, not as much of a fight. I mean, it's uh, because it goes back to that knowing that he loves you. And that's the bedrock. And then <laughs> um, your mind will try to take over. But it's just, um, it's just, it doesn't have a chance compared to the love of God and the peace of God. So it's, it's less and less of a struggle, but it's always um, part of the equation because. He's given you a mind, and he wants us to use it. He just wants us to not let it dominate. Not let it run the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what would you say to someone that's listening to us that they're really smart and they know they're really smart? Mm -hmm. What advice would you give them? He's smarter. I think, you know, if you're really smart it's hard to quantify but so many people are really smart in what they do um, builders mechanics you know people that see stuff that's I think that's what I'm talking about that they're gifted and they know what to do but yet they need to listen because even though they know what to do God may say do that don't do a do B and you go well that doesn't make sense I clearly a is the right answer and he goes I know but do be. And if you'll do be, then there's joy and peace beyond compare. You just, and you realize, oh, well, that was the wrong answer. And so your mind plays tricks on you, your eyes play tricks on you. Anytime we try to read our surroundings or our, or our environment or the data presented to us, we're liable to be wrong. Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a percentage that we're wrong. And, but if you'll just listen to God, if you're obeying Him and following His will, then you're not wrong. You're in His His will and on His track and running your race, and uh, there's no wrong there. It's just when we start thinking. So when you were in some of those seasons where you knew, man, I, I don't think I'm listening very good right now. What what were some of the ways that you comforted yourself to just? Seek him and surrender. Well, I, part of it was habit back then, a habit of reading the Bible, habit of praying. And uh, so, I mean, it's it's hard to sit down and open the book and not hear him <laughs> because he talks to you through those pages. And, uh, and then he'll convict you real time. I mean, bring it to your attention and say, hmm, really? And yet, depending on how wound up you are about something, you may blow that off and uh, you may blow through two or three warnings. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
but he never gives up. Yeah. He's right there at the end of your stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> says, okay. Are you through with that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Come on. Remember, you remember I love you, don't you? Yeah, I know. So no, Father, show me yeah. what you were trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. So it's... Um, It's just amazing to look back of how faithful he is. That song, God, you're, you've always been so faithful, and then God is so good. I can't remember the line exactly, but that, that one, you've always been faithful, is so true. And uh, you've been so good. You know, that it's just, uh, I know people have had tough lives, and I haven't had one in the sense that of a lot of people I know, but I think uh, I think it's his mercy and his grace, and I think it's people praying for their children, you know, and their grandchildren. And boy, I had a praying grandma. Mm -hmm. And you'd say, well, that stuff doesn't make any difference, does it? I think it does. I think God answers those prayers, and that's why I pray for my children and grandchildren and their children because I think it makes a difference. God puts those prayers in your heart and he answers them. Yeah. And so they still have free will to reject him or, or receive him, but but yet it it uh, he honors those prayers. Yeah, that's awesome. Powerful stuff. <laughs>